The following is part of the teaching ministry of Harvest Bible Chapel in Barrie, Ontario. We believe firmly in proclaiming the Word of God without apology. For more information about our church, visit our website at harvestberry.ca or email us at info at harvestberry.ca. We trust that this message will challenge and transform you. There's really no room for arrogance of any kind at the foot of the cross. When we recognize all that Jesus did and all who He is, uh, we really need to approach Him with humility. Uh, That is something that we actually don't know very much about. Tim Challies writes in his blog, Of all the words coined in response to the realities of this digital world, of all the words recently added to the dictionary, humble brag must be among the best. According to the Macmillan Dictionary, a humble brag is a statement in which you pretend to be modest, which you are really using as a way of telling people about your success or achievements. It is bragging in the guise of humility, putting a thin veneer of humble over a clear expression of proud. And it seems to be an integral part of an effective social media presence. So we see it a lot on uh, Twitter, things like... uh, When I bought this Ferrari, no one warned me I'd get pulled over all the time. That's a humble brag. Now, of course, if you know me, you know that I would substitute um, Mustang. If uh, Why did not anyone tell me when I bought this Mustang that I would get pulled over all the time? Actually, probably in a Mustang you wouldn't. However, uh, if I tweeted that, if I had a Mustang, and if it was a really cool Mustang, and if I tweeted... Something like that, that would be a humble brag. I have a friend who would substitute Corvette Stingray um, and actually did get pulled over. He said, like, well, why? Just because it's a vet? And uh, the policeman said, well, it's springtime and, you know, like, guys just can't wait to get out there. So I'm just checking to make sure you got your insurance on this here. And, uh, but if, I, if, I, if he tweeted that... Um, then actually that would be reality for him. But it would still be a humble brag. And uh, if I tweeted how my friend with the Corvette, um, what is that? I'm just saying, hey, I'm ready. I got a friend with a vet. Uh, that could be a humble brag. We're just uh, full of it. And uh, interestingly enough, uh, we Christians are really good at this. Um, we usually start uh, with something like, uh, so blessed... Right? Or humbled. And so this is one that I did not tweet this morning. I did not tweet. Uh, so blessed to bring the word to more people in one service than many pastors will ever see in Canada. Uh, you know, that's true, isn't it? It's true. And um, if I had tweeted that, it would be a humble brag and it would be uh, not humble at all. Uh, Actually, I really do believe that I am incredibly blessed to be here this morning with you. And I'm blessed that you are here. But we're pretty good. Uh, How about this one? This is actually a humble brag right from Scripture. In Luke 18, Jesus talked about two men. And this brings us to our point here. Um, Why is humility so important? Uh, Jesus talked about uh, this humble brag. 
Uh, it would have been too, actually a little bit too long for Twitter unless he kind of used some short forms. But listen to this one. Uh, God, I thank you. That's a great start to a humble brag, right? God, I thank you uh, that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this guy, this tax collector. <laughs> hashtag humble. Uh, not so much. Uh, hashtag blessed. Oh, yeah. Uh, hashtag witnessing to tax collectors. Not so much. All right. So uh, what did Jesus say about that? He said, uh, but the tax collector standing far off would not even lift up his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast saying, God, be merciful to me, the sinner. Jesus said, I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. And so uh, humility is very important. It is what brings us into the very presence of God. And uh, it is through uh, humbling ourselves before God that we actually uh, now come into all the, all the places of blessing that God has for us. So uh, we could talk a lot about this. Uh, the active ingredient in humility is submission. Uh, we want to go directly to a story that actually, or a, the, an example of a man... Uh, and look at him to really get a picture then of humility. So in Second uh, Chronicles chapter 34, we read this. While they were bringing out the money that had been brought into the house of the Lord, Hilkiah the priest found the book of the law of the Lord given through Moses. Then Hilkiah answered and said to Shaphan the secretary, I have found the book of the law in the house of the Lord. And Hilkiah gave the book to Shaphan. Shaphan brought the book to the king and further reported to the king, this is what they were doing, all that was committed to your servants they are doing. They have emptied out the money that was found in the house of the Lord and have given it into the hand of the overseers and the workmen. Then Shaphan the secretary told the king, um, Hilkiah the priest has given me a book. And Shaphan read from it before the king. When the king heard the words of the law, he tore his clothes and the king commanded Hilkiah, Ahakam, the son of Shaphan, Abdon, the son of Micah, Shaphan, the secretary, and Isaiah, the king's servant, saying, Go, inquire of the Lord for me and for those who are left in Israel and in Judah concerning the words of the book that has been found. For great is the wrath of the Lord that is poured out on us, because our fathers have not kept the word of the Lord to do according to all that is written in this book. So Hilkiah and those whom the king had sent went to Huldah the prophetess, the wife of Shalom, son of Toketh, son of Hasra, keeper of the wardrobe. Now she lived in Jerusalem in the second quarter and spoke to her to that effect. And she said to them, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, tell the man who sent you to me, Thus says the Lord, behold, I will bring disaster upon this place. And upon its inhabitants, all the curses that are written in the book that was read before the king of Judah. Because they have forsaken me and have made offerings to other gods, that they might provoke me to anger with all the works of their hands. Therefore my wrath will be poured out on this place and will not be quenched. But to the king of Judah who sent you to inquire of the Lord, thus shall you say to him, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, Regarding the words that you have heard, 
Because your heart was tender and you humbled yourself before God when you heard his words against this place and against its inhabitants. And you have humbled yourself before me and have torn your clothes and wept before me. I also have heard you, declares the Lord. Behold, I will gather you to your fathers and you shall be gathered to your grave in peace and your eyes shall not see all the disaster that I will bring upon this place and its inhabitants. And they brought back word to the king. The verse we want to focus on here is uh, verse 27. Because your heart was tender and you humbled yourself before God when you heard his words against this place and against its inhabitants and you have humbled yourself before me and have torn your clothes and wept before me, I also have heard you, declares the Lord. Pray with me. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. And as we have come here, Lord, thank you for all those who in an act of faith have humbled themselves before you to ask that you would uh, use your word today in our hearts. And now, Lord, we humble ourselves before you. We place ourselves under your authority and the authority of your word and ask, Lord, that you would uh, receive us through the name of Jesus Christ and that you would work in us a good work through your word today. So, Lord, uh, bless it and encourage our hearts. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, I humble myself when, first of all, I have a tender heart. Now, Josiah had a... A tender heart. We're talking about the king of Judah. His name was Josiah. And uh, in the beginning of the chapter, a little background here. Uh, Josiah was eight years old when he began to reign. Uh, his, uh, his grandfather was 12 when he began to reign. Apparently that was kind of a thing. Uh, get a kid when he's young and put him into leadership. And uh, uh, those who do that maybe can shape him a little bit. His, uh, his grandfather Manasseh was 12 years old when he began to reign. And uh, he did not serve God uh, the way that his father had. And so uh, he had a good long reign. Uh, in the end, God really dealt with him and he repented. Um, but then his son Ammon took over. His uh, son was 22 years old when he started to reign. Uh, he had a whole two years uh, not doing well. And some people uh, decided that, that that wasn't true. It wasn't like they held a vote. Uh, they took him out and killed him. And they took his son Josiah, who was just eight years old. And I'm not sure of the time frames. I don't know how long they waited. They kind of ran things for a while before they put him in there. But if, uh, if it was immediate, if um, Ammon was 22 and they took him out when he was 24 and uh, made Josiah's son eight when, king right away... There wasn't a time frame in there. That means that uh, Ammon was like 16 years old when he uh, had his son Josiah. And so uh, kids having kids, uh, some things haven't changed perhaps. But uh, Josiah now was made king at eight years old. Okay, uh, how many like kingdom changing decisions was Josiah making at eight years old? Okay, probably the guys that took out his dad were the ones kind of running things, Right? Eight years old. However, uh, it says he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord and walked in the days of David, his father. He did not turn aside to the right hand or the left. Uh, from a young child, Josiah had a tender heart towards the things of God. And he was making choices. You say, yeah, well, he didn't have that much uh, sway. However, look at this. In the eighth year of his reign, okay, started at eight. Now in the eighth year of his reign, how old is this guy? 16 years old, okay, he just got his chariot license, 
And uh, he's uh, getting some independence here. And uh, we know all about that, right? Like that's our, that's our passage, right? Our right, right of coming to age when you get your driver's license and you can go places by yourself fast. Not too fast, but fast. And so here he is, 16 years old. And uh, it says that uh, while he was yet a boy, he began to seek the God of David, his father. Okay, here's a guy with a tender heart. 16 years old, he's starting to make some of his own decisions. And here's the deal. Uh, He chose God. And so if I can for a moment speak to those of you... um, it's interesting that uh, 16, uh, it said he's, while well, he was still a boy, what 16-year-old is going to say, like, yeah, no, no, not, that's not true. That's not true. I'm not just a kid anymore. I'm, I'm an adult now. Yeah, well, you can't vote yet. So you're not quite. But uh, he, he uh, chose God. Then it says this. In the 12th year, he began to purge Judah and Jerusalem, the high places. Okay, 12th, into, 12th year into his reign. How old is this guy now? 20. And he's starting now to make kingdom changing decisions. You say, okay, how is this guy an everyday hero? Uh, What's that got to do with me? Like, I'm not a king. Like, he's a king. Well, here's here's the deal. Uh, How many other kids his age in Judah uh, were making their own decisions? Uh, Not too many. Uh, you, you grew up, you lived your life, you did what your dad did, you, you stayed in line, you served in the army, you, uh, you went and uh, worked in the fields, and you didn't have a lot of choice about what you did if you wanted to eat that day. Uh, but Josiah did. And that's the point of contact, because we live in a society, well, when we grow up, uh, we get to choose for ourselves. We get to choose what we're going to do, we get to choose where we're going to go. And uh, at young ages... Uh, we got kids making huge differences. McLean's just reported that a, a lot of the big, big things happening in our world are happening uh, driven by, by teenagers. As a matter of fact, there's some things that t- you perhaps didn't know this. Um, things invented by teenagers. Braille. Braille was invented by a teenager. Uh, here's a really big one. We could use some of this. Earmuffs. Earmuffs were... Uh, and now, uh, a test for, for determining pancreatic cancer. Developed totally by a teenager, being used all over the world. And uh, you can read about this. Lots of things happening in, in our digitally connected society. Uh, young people have more of an opportunity to change the world than ever before. Amazing, isn't it? And so here's a guy that had the opportunity to change his world. And what did he do? Uh, he chose God because he had a tender heart. And so important. And so... Uh, the first thing that I want to do is I humble myself when I have a, a tender heart. Say, well, um, that's good for the young people around here. Like I, everybody in here wants all our young people, uh, 20 years and under. Hey, choose God. Uh, don't make the mistakes that I made. Uh, but all those over 20 are sitting here thinking, yeah, well, it's a little late for that tender heart thing, Raj, uh, because uh, that ship has sailed for me. Um, I, I don't think so. I humble myself when I have a tender heart. And so uh, the question is, how do I get a tender heart? How do I get a tender heart? Well, i got some suggestions for you. First of all, uh, you need a new heart. You need a new heart. Uh, what you need is uh, salvation from God. David cried out, create in me a clean heart, O God. 
You know, uh, a tender heart, we can kind of think a tender heart would be a clean heart. And uh, a lot of the reason we don't have a tender heart is because we don't have a clean heart. Uh, God wants to give you a clean heart today. He wants to give you a new heart. In 2 Corinthians 4, 6, it says, For God who said, Let light shine out of darkness, has shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Uh, If you want a tender heart, first of all, you need a new heart. You need, you need to be saved. Uh, it's very, very simple. Uh, first of all, you need to admit that uh, you're separated from God. That uh, you need a new heart. That there's a lot of things that you've done that are separating you from God. And so you need to admit that. Say, okay, um, God, uh, I'm not like you. And uh, there's some things that uh, I've done that uh, you're not pleased with. And they separate from uh, you, me from you. Uh, the second thing is you need to believe You need to believe that Jesus is God in the flesh and that He paid for your sin. He did everything that's necessary. He paid the penalty, the judgment of God on your sin. He took it on Himself in your place for you because He loves you. You need to believe that. Uh, And then you need to confess Him as your Savior. Uh, The Bible says whoever believes in his heart that God has raised Jesus from the dead and and, uh, calls on Him, whoever calls on the name, whoever believes in his heart, and confesses with his mouth the Lord Jesus Christ will be saved. Call on the name of the Lord for salvation. He'll give you a new heart, and you'll have a tenderness that you never knew was possible. So uh, get a new heart. Uh, here's another thing. How do I get a tender heart? I've been through some things, and uh, you know I, uh, I don't really have a tender heart anymore. Uh, well, uh, start with this. Don't harden your heart. Well, that's kind of obvious. <laughs> if I want a tender heart, don't harden your heart. Uh, is that really my choice? Doesn't it just kind of happen to me? Doesn't the Bible say that God hardened Pharaoh's heart? Do you remember that story when Israel was going to leave? And uh, they went to him and, and God brought plagues on. And Pharaoh said, okay, okay, okay. Uh, you can go, you can go, you can go. And then he goes, no, 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 you can't, you can't, you can't go. And he hardened his heart. And in spite of all the things that he was seeing and all the things that God was doing, uh, it says God hardened Pharaoh's heart so that he could show his glory. But we're also told that Pharaoh hardened his heart. Now listen, I I don't know the interplay between that. I know that God is sovereign and he's doing whatever he's doing. And uh, uh, Romans says, who's going to argue with God if he makes people who are uh, objects of his wrath? Who's going to argue with him? Um, Not me. But you know, that's not actually where we live. Where I live is uh, God cares for me and He has a tender heart towards me and He's working in me and He's drawing me to Himself and He always gives me the option of responding to Him. And that's where I live. And throughout Scripture, we are told that we have a responsibility to respond to God with faith and trust. And God is constantly tugging on our heart. And you're here today because God is tugging on your heart and speaking to you and uh, calling your name. And He wants you to respond to Him. And so don't harden your heart. Uh, What are some things that harden my heart? It really is my choice. Uh, We're told over and over, uh, for instance, in Ephesians 4.32, be kind to one another, tender-hearted. In 1 John, where it talks about what one of you having the world's goods and sees his brother in needs and closes his heart against him. How does God's love dwell in you? See, we have a choice here. I can close my heart up or I can open my heart. It's my choice. And so what are some things that, uh, 
that harden my heart. You know, uh, we, uh, we tend to not have to work real hard at hardening our hearts. Here's one thing. When our hearts dry out, our hearts drying out. Uh, I'm just, we need to water our hearts with the water of God's word. I need to be in God's word regularly. Uh, that's something that softens my heart. And when, I, when I'm not in God's word, um, my heart tends to dry out. That's the kind of person they come in here and they feel like one of those rawhide bones you give your dog, you know. And yes, that's, hey, you're talking, my, you're talking to me, Raj. That's my heart. I come in here and I feel like I'm a piece of rawhide and I come in here and I hear God's word and I leave just feeling like I got chewed on a little bit more. Um, that's not the purpose of God's word. If, if that's your experience, the issue is your heart. You need to allow God's word to penetrate your heart. Uh, another thing that uh, uh, you allow your heart to be uh, squeezed out. A bitterness and unforgiveness will harden your heart. Perhaps you know somebody like this. Um, they're just uh, something happened to them, and they uh, they're holding it in there, and the bitterness is permeating their life, and they they can't hear God's voice because they're so bitter, they're so angry. And they've allowed uh, the bitterness and unforgiveness to squeeze their heart so that it's become hardened. Uh, here, here's another thing that hardens my heart. It, it, it may leak out. <laughs> the freshness of your heart, the tenderness of your heart may just leak out. Uh, this happens because of disappointment. You know, like, like I, was, uh, I was going through this hard time and I called on God and, and like God just never showed up. I'm disappointed with God. Or God's people. I was, I was, I was in trouble and I called on God's people and, and no, nobody came. And I'm disappointed in God's people. Uh, they never came through for me. I was crying out for help. and You know, I, I, don't, I don't have all the answers for you. I know that we've got testimonies of people uh, over and over and they say, I, I, I leaned on the Lord and He heard me. And he answered, and God was there for me. And sometimes those things are, stories are, and, and God did something amazing, and, and things turned around. But you know, sometimes those stories are, uh, not much changed, but I just knew that God was with me, and I experienced a peace. I, somebody shared with me this past week. Uh, I said, what's the biggest difference in your life now with Christ? And they said, the peace. The peace is just amazing. Not much has changed, but I have peace. So I don't have all the answers for you, but I know that disappointment can harden your heart. Well, listen, don't. Don't let it. You know, a hard heart is a really serious thing. In Hebrews uh, chapter 3, verse 8, uh, the writer of Hebrews is appealing to God's people, and he says, listen, uh, don't harden your heart like in the day of provocation. You go, the day of provocation, when was that? Uh, that was one day in the history of Israel. It was a day when in spite of all that God had shown them and all that they had seen in being delivered from Israel, it was a day when they say, yeah, yeah, is God here? Is God real? Will God perform? Okay, God performed. But in Psalm 95, verse 10, uh, it says, For 40 years I loathed that generation. Israel made a decision. All those people made a decision together and hardened their hearts 
towards all that they had seen God do and questioned God and put him on trial and said, God, you better come through. And God came through, but he judged that generation. It says that God was angry with them for 40 years. That's a long time to stay angry. And it was because they never ever softened their heart. And so God judged them and for 40 years in the desert, they died off until a new generation uh, was raised up. That's a pretty serious thing. You see the consequences of a hard heart? Uh, listen, God, God's going to outlast your hard heart. Uh, you, you, can, you can be angry and hard-hearted and disappointed and bitter, and you can keep going, and uh, like for 40 years, uh, God's, God's got you. Uh, he's going to outlast you. There's some of us, 40 years might be more than we have left. <laughs> I don't want God to be angry with me for 40 years. So listen, don't harden your heart like that. Well, what's the answer to that? Of course, it's uh, get a new heart. Don't harden your heart. How about this? Uh, soften your heart. Soften your heart. Here's how you do that. Uh, water it with God's word. Uh, open up your heart to others through forgiveness. That's a choice. So uh, I'm not really ready to go there. Well, uh, get ready to go there. Uh, pump up your heart with encouragement. Um, get some good uh, influences in your life. Listen, this is so important. Proverbs 4.23 says, Guard your heart with all diligence, for out of it spring the issues of life. Uh, Don't allow yourself to get a hard heart. So here's Josiah. I humble myself uh, before God when I have a tender heart. Uh, Get a tender heart. So here's the second thing. I humble myself when I have a tender heart, then, that submits to God's Word. A tender heart submits to God's word. The action of humility is submission. So uh, let's look at this. In the 18th year of his reign, Josiah, it says, the 18th year of his reign, when he had cleansed the land and the house, he sent Shaphan, the son of Azaliah, and Messiah, the governor of the city, and Joah, the son of Jehoahaz, the recorder, to repair the house of the Lord his God. So here's this... This, this kid who has had a tender heart and is seeking God. And uh, now he's saying, hey, we got we to gotta straighten things up here. We got to get the temple back in shape. And so he starts cleaning it out. And, and that's where we read the story. Uh, oh, they found a book. It was probably the Torah. Uh, the, the first five books of the Bible that we have. Uh, the, the, uh, the Pentateuch. The books of Moses, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. And it contains in there all the blessings and cursings that God had prepared for Israel. If you serve me, then I will bless you. But if you turn away from me, and as they read that book, King Josiah, this man with a tender heart towards God, realized uh, that his nation had turned away from God. So... uh, It says that he tore his clothes. I haven't seen that happen here. We've uh, got some great preaching and God's word brought forth and people respond to it. I haven't seen anybody tear their clothes yet. It's probably a good thing. All right. Uh, that, that was a sign, a cultural sign of grief back in the day. Uh, but the question is this. How, uh, how do I respond to God's word? How do I respond to God's word? 
Now, well, let's take a look at a response to God's word in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 14. This is, uh, Paul is talking here and he's talking about uh, what we're doing here today. He says, we gather together and uh, we're all together. And he says, okay, uh, let's uh, picture some things. He's talking about the different gifts of the spirit. And in this case, he's talking about um, speaking in tongues. And so he says, uh, if everybody in here started speaking in tongues and there was somebody that wasn't used to this kind of thing, maybe it was their first time, they were just sharing with us, they're going to stop by uh, uh, guest reception in the, in the lobby on their way out because this is their first time and they have, we have a gift for you. And uh, they come in and they say, oh, this is really exciting, we're going to get a gift. But then everybody just starts speaking in like weird languages. And they kind of look around and they go like, these people are crazy. And Paul says, that's what the result would be. But he says, on the other hand, if we all prophesy, if we all uh, speak God's word together, uh, here's the result. If the, therefore the whole church comes together uh, and all speak in tongues and outsiders or unbelievers enter, will they not say that you're out of your minds? But if all prophesy and an unbeliever or outsider enters, uh, here's what happens when we get engaged with God's word. Um, he is convicted by all. He is called to account by all. The secrets of his heart are disclosed. And so falling on his face, he will worship God and declare that God is really among you. Uh, here's six results God's word brings. So uh, what's, how do you respond to God's word? This is the question for us. Okay, uh, I, I humble myself when I have a tender heart that, uh, that uh, submits itself to God's word. So here we have God's word. Uh, you think about your life and how you're doing and... Uh, is this your response to engaging with God's word? Uh, first of all, uh, convicted. He's convicted. Okay, uh, he realizes what the truth is. You, you form a conviction about who Jesus is and what Jesus has done and who I am in relation to God. Uh, you're convicted about the truth. And then it says... Uh, uh, you're judged. This literally means uh, called to account. Uh, he's called to account by all. Uh, everyone speaking God's word. It calls you to account. So it's not just truth. Now it's truth applied. We're big on that here, aren't we? Uh, we believe in applicational preaching. And uh, we, uh, we go to our small groups and we talk about, okay, how can we live this out? And so this is truth now applied to my life. And so it's not just kind of a concept of truth. It's uh, active truth. Uh, then it says, uh, the secrets of his heart are disclosed. Okay, now we're talking about, and not only is truth applied, it's applied to me. And I see myself as I really am. The secrets of our hearts are exposed. Isn't that what God really wants? That's what God is going for when we're here together. Uh, God wants to speak to your heart. So uh, that's what happens. Uh, the secrets of our hearts are revealed. Then it says, uh, he falls on his face. I've seen that once. Actually, I've seen that a lot of times. We have responses and people come and they get down before the Lord. Um, you can do that. Uh, you're free to do that. If God's convicting you. Whenever, when we're worshiping, during a message... You can just come and respond to God and get down on your face before Him. I remember my son Chad had a friend visiting, and we were back here somewhere 
uh, out here worshiping, and he was from a different culture. And uh, all of a sudden, I turned around, and like he was on his face in the aisleway here. And I thought, well, that's different. <laughs> and uh, we don't usually do that around here. And, uh, but he was responding to God. And oh, that we had hearts that were so tender and uh, would respond to God by submitting ourselves to His Word. And uh, there's nothing wrong with making that an outward expression of an inward reality, as long as that's what it is. And so he falls on his face um, and he worships. He will worship God and then he'll witness. And the witness is, wow, God is among you. God is in this place. God is here. You know, as as your pastor, as one of your pastors, and I know all of us have this heart's desire, is that when we preach God's word, that this would be, this would be our response. And so the question becomes, uh, how are you responding to God's word? Are you submitting yourself uh, to God's word? That's what happened to Josiah. Uh, remember how God describes his response. He says, you humbled yourself before God when you heard his words against this place and its inhabitants and have torn your clothes and wept before me. Uh, God sees the response of our heart and He responds to us when we respond to Him. He says, I have heard you. I have heard you. What a great thing that the eternal God hears me. He hears you. Isn't that wonderful? Isaiah 66, 2 says, uh, This is the one to whom I will look. Who does God pay attention to? You ever ask yourself that question? Hey, God, are you there? Are you, are you paying attention to me? Maybe the circumstances of your life right now are pretty difficult. And you're saying, hey, God, uh, what about me? Are you listening to me, God? Well, listen, God tells you. I, here's who he listens to. He who is humble and contrite in spirit and trembles at my word. So that's the question. Um, what is your response to God's word. We have lots of uh, encouragements in, in God's word about how to respond. Uh, submission is the key response of humility. We have the example of Christ in Philippians 2.8. It says, being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. In 1 Peter 5.6, we're told... Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so at the proper time He may exalt you. Psalm 25.9 says, God leads the humble in what is right and teaches the humble His way. So what is my response to God's Word? Um, Here's a a few quick responses. Uh, Read it. Read it. Read God's Word. If you're not engaging in it, um, we got lots of Bible reading plans. I have one I'm following, uh, Discipleship Journal. It's on my phone. tells me every day what I'm, what I'm supposed to read. I, I have to confess to you that just a few weeks ago, I had gotten behind. It was holidays, things like that. I hadn't been reading. Um, like I had gone a few days without reading God's Word. Pretty sporadic in there. And so I, hit, I clicked the button that makes the last day you read yesterday. Right? And I'm all caught up just like that. (laughs) 
That's not a good thing, but it's a good thing. I'm back on track. I'm not giving it up. And so I've been on track now uh, for weeks again. Reading God's Word, read it. How about this? Record it. Keep a record of what God says to you personally uh, from it. Uh, we have some things here. We don't have lots of these in the bookstore. We have a, uh, what we used to promote a lot was our small group journal. You can use anything. Just buy a book with empty pages and start writing in it. Write down what God's Word says to you. This has places in the beginning here. Appointments with God. It has the date and the passage you read and what you got, what you got out of it. And just write it down. Uh, read it. Uh, record it. Uh, how about this? Uh, relate it. Apply it to your life. Ask the question, just like we do in small group. Uh, what does this mean? How, are we, how am I going to apply this in my life? How, how am I going to live this out? And then uh, the answer is uh, reap it, the fruit of righteousness. It sounds simple, doesn't it? But it's not. Listen, every area of my life must be submitted to God's Word. It's God's Word that tells me how to live. I'm so convinced that so many of our problems would be solved just through simple obedience. Just do what God's Word says. If you would just do what God's Word says, forgive when He says to forgive. Show kindness when He says to show kindness. Let it go when He says to let it go. If we would just submit ourselves to God's Word, um, that would solve so many of our problems. So uh, finally this, I humble myself when I have a tender heart that submits submits to God's Word and fulfills God's purpose. This is so encouraging. Um, You know, Josiah could have, he got this word from God, and God says, hey, because of your response, uh, I got good news for you. Uh, That disaster is going to come on the nation, but not during your lifetime. You're going to die in peace. And uh, Josiah could have said, oh, well, great. I can sit back and chill. It's going to be cool. I can do whatever I want now. Kind of of blank check from God, right? Uh, But that was not his response. As a matter of fact, we're told that uh, he he, uh, served God with even more fervor. He uh, began to send people out to teach God's word and how to worship him uh, all through Judea and into Samaria, into the other kingdom of Israel. Uh, Beyond his own territory, he began to promote God's word. he even went into their territory, went to a place called Bethel that wasn't even in, within his kingdom. And uh, for a long time, it was the site of idolatry, a place where Israel uh, went astray. Uh, one of the reasons God was bringing judgment on, on Israel was what was going on at Bethel on an extended, uh, in an extended way. So we're told in... 2 Kings 23, Moreover, the altar at Bethel, the high place erected by Jeroboam, the son of Nebed, who made Israel to sin, that altar with the high place he pulled down and burned, reducing it to dust. He also burned the Asherah. Uh, That's another idol. And as Josiah turned, he saw the tombs there on the mount, and he sent and took the bones out of the tomb and burned them on the altar and defiled it, according to the word of the Lord that the man of God proclaimed who had predicted these things. Then he said, what is that monument that I see? And the men of the city told him, it is the tomb of the man of God who came from Judah and predicted these things that you have done against the altar at Bethel. Well, that's interesting. Uh, If we turn back uh, to 1 Kings chapter 13, uh, we read that story. So this is when the altar was first set up. Behold, a man of God came out of Judah by the word of the Lord to Bethel. 
Jeroboam, the guy that set up this whole idolatrous practice, was standing by the altar to make offerings. And the man cried against the altar by the word of the Lord and said, O altar, altar, thus says the Lord, Behold, a son shall be born to the house of David, Josiah by name, and he shall sacrifice on you the priests of the high places who make offerings on you, and human bones shall be burned on you. And he gave a sign the same day, saying, This is the sign that that the Lord has spoken. Behold, the altar shall be torn down, and the ashes that are on it shall be poured out. And when the king heard the saying of the man of God, which he cried against the altar at Bethel, Jeroboam stretched out his hand from the altar, saying, Seize him! And his hand, which he stretched out against him, dried up so that he could not draw it back to himself. The altar also was torn down, and the ashes poured out from the altar, according to the sign that the man of God had given by the word of the Lord. You want to talk about a hard heart? Jeroboam was the guy that set up this whole idolatrous practice. And in the midst of setting it up, God sent a prophet to him and said, Hey, uh, this altar is uh, out of line with what God wants. And uh, one day, uh, God's going to raise up a man named Josiah, and he's going to destroy this altar. And Jeroboam said, Hey, get that guy! And as he stretched out his hand and pointed, his arm withered up. And he asked that man of God crying against the altar to pray for him and restore his arm. And God, in His grace, restored his arm. And Jeroboam's response was, he hardened his heart. He kept the idolatry going. Now, uh, it seems like Josiah didn't even know about that prophecy. But here he was, uh, he had a tender heart submitting himself to God's word and found out that he was fulfilling God's purposes. A prophecy made years and years before. There had been all kinds of cycles. Jeroboam was the first king of Israel, the separated kingdom. And there had been king after king after king in Israel and in Judah. And in Judah, some good and some bad. And all this time, uh, time was moving on. And God was calling to His people. And finally, Josiah was raised up and accomplished the purposes of God. You know what? That's the promise to us. Romans 12, 1 and 2 says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. A tender heart, submitted to God's word, says this, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. That doesn't happen without a tender heart that submits to God's word. What does God have for me? What does God have for me? What's going to happen in my life? I don't know, but you'll fulfill the purposes of God and the will of God if you'll submit yourself to God's Word. So what do, the, what do my responses to life's challenges say? Well, they reveal my heart, whether it's tender toward God and submitted to Him. Listen, the biggest thing, the biggest thing preventing me from finding God's will and experiencing His presence in my life is not the things that are happening to me. It's the response of my heart. 
Can I say that uh, it may be the stubborn resistance of my heart that is preventing me from seeing the presence of God in my life? What is the thing that you are are holding out from God in? Uh, Listen, this was in the prayer request in the last couple of weeks. I asked if I could share it with you. Uh, It's anonymous. but, But listen to the cry of this heart. Maybe this is the cry of your heart. I trust that it is. My prayer request is for God to continue chiseling away at the stubbornness of my heart. For me to be submissive in all ways to the authority of God's word. Thank you. Make that the cry of your heart today. I humble myself. I lower myself. I put myself under when I have a tender heart that submits to God's word and fulfills God's purpose. The moment we're going to be singing and I just want to invite you. Give up the resistance. Submit yourself to God. Father, thank you for your word uh, through Josiah. Thank you that he had a tender heart. And Lord, uh, some of us are here and we had a tender heart when we were young. We responded. Uh, But Lord, life happens and and, uh, we get disappointed. We get uh, hurt. We get a... we, we draw away from your word. And Lord, our hearts get hard. And Father, we want to confess today that um, maybe we're here with a hardened heart. Uh, Father, would you do a work, a miraculous work to soften us, to receive your word, to allow us to humble ourselves and submit ourselves to it so that you can work. And Father, I pray that you would speak if there's a, a particular thing in anyone's heart here today that uh, this would be the day they uh, submit it to you and yield and give in to you. So Father, would you hear our prayer, the cry of our heart, Lord, chip away at the stubbornness of our hearts. Um, give us a tender heart, a softened heart to you and help us to submit this day to your truth so that we may experience uh, the will of God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks so much for listening. We always love hearing about the work God's doing in our listeners. If God's been doing a work in you, send us an email at info at And remember, you are loved.